Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 431, which we will be talking about Azure Platform as a Service. And on Teams with me today on the 30th of June of 2022 is our very special guest, Nir Meshkowski, who has been on the show a while ago, and we are thrilled to have him back, and as well as Evan and myself, Cynthia. While we've been trying to um, get a couple episodes in so we can take a little summer break. We don't have any more updates for you today, so we'll dive straight into our topic. Nir, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Microsoft? Sure, so thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Nir. I'm uh, uh, right now the product manager manager for uh, the Azure Path services, so uh, app service, Azure Functions, Azure Container App, and Static Web Apps. Um, this is my second uh, iteration on this role. I used to uh, work on this uh, uh, product uh, since the inception. I was the first product manager on uh, what was back then uh, Azure websites and um, did that for eight years, left a little bit and uh, spent some time in AWS and recently came back to Microsoft um, to sort of work on the same role. Thrilled to have you back on the show and and, and back here at Microsoft. <laughs> Good so. to be back, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Now that you said you were there at the inception, how has app services evolved throughout all these years? I, I think uh, um, just the, the scale is, is massive. The, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, um, we're running a fleet that numbers in the million of the millions of VMs and a, a similar number of customers and websites and APIs and um, Another very exciting thing for us in App Services is that uh, there's a lot of first-party products in Azure, in Microsoft, that are actually using uh, App Services as its underpinnings and backends. I won't uh, name any names because I didn't ask them, but um, a lot of the stuff you interact with uh, in the larger Microsoft ecosystem, um, not just Azure, also you know Office 365 or uh, uh, gaming uh, is actually powered by App Service, and we're very proud to be able to be part of that. We we should probably step back just a little bit, right? Because the we you know the the sort of the focus for the episode was to talk about Azure Paths and where it's going, and mm-hmm. and you know you listed a bunch of services when you were talking about what you're doing here at Microsoft now. Um, we should probably define what Paths or platform as a service is in the sort of the the hierarchy of you know software as a service versus PaaS versus infrastructure as a service. How, how do you define those? Can you sort of define those three and put it in context for us? Oh, for sure. Um, um, so I think there's the sort of um, the academic way and the pithy way. So the academic way is uh, something Gartner came up with where they talk about uh, control versus uh, productivity. 
So on, on your left side, you have control, that's your uh, infrastructure as a service, your data center, um, you know, your, um, your VMs uh, and so on. Um, and then as you kind of move to the right, you have uh, less control, but more productivity. So then you would have things like uh, uh, Kubernetes and AKS in, in the Azure case. Um, and then you get to the category of platform as a service, um, which is things like app service where um, all, all you do is kind of uh, upload code and, and we do the rest yeah. for you. Uh, the next two levels are uh, what is called serverless, again, very uh, um, amorphic category, uh, but it's really about uh, functions as a service where um, for us to be able to scale your code to zero and only pay for what you use, you have to write your code in, 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 in functions. Um, that are that are stateless. Um, all these categories now um, uh, kind of merge into each other, and uh, and it's hard to dis discern between them. And obviously, on 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 the right side, you have software as a service where um, you have no notion of the infrastructure, and you interact with a business application. Uh, some of those actually uh, um, have pieces that are kind of developer focused. So if you use uh, uh, things like Salesforce or you know. Power apps, for example, uh, you have these pieces where you can build applications in a visual way. Uh, so, again, that's software as a service, and there's also the um, yet another new uh, buzzword to understand, which is no code and low code. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of the academic way. The pithy way is to say, um, and I used to use that in in uh, presentations, is uh, let's say you have to uh, go from one point A to point B, uh, you can buy a car, you can uh, pay insurance, you can take it to the to the shop. And uh, that's kind of like IaaS, that's like having yep. Yep. your own service. Uh, service. Yep. Um, let's say you, you kind of went on vacation and you, um, you rented a car, that's like platform as a service, right? You yep. have the car, you don't have to maintain it, but you still pay for the time you, you have it. And it's still not going anywhere when you're putting it in, in the parking lot. And then you have Uber, which is serverless, right? Uh, yeah, you only okay. use it when you need to use it. Um, it takes you to, from, from place to place. So I think that's kind of the analogy I used to um, to use because it's a, really about Uberization of compute, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I, I was thinking like, the you know, some the driver version, but the Uber one, it's, it actually is better because, you know, everybody sort of grasps Uber. Not many of us get to have drivers, you know, show up at our door and drive us around without paying paying them directly the but it, but i think the other piece in that right is when you talk about the infrastructure as a service stuff and this is you know true for your you know your automobile right like you're paying a lot of money for that full flexibility sort of that full privilege and then when you go on the other side you're paying less but you're giving up that control by getting some basically some cost by taking some cost out right you're you're giving up you're sort of trading control for cost at the end of the day as you go across that Spectrum, yeah, right? Co cost and uh, and productivity and the time it takes yeah. you to achieve the task, right? Um, yeah, we can take the delicious analogy some more because you know with the <laughs> Uber you can control the speed of the car it's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so you know the you know as you were mentioning this this world has shifted a lot in recent years with AKS and mm -hmm. you know and container instances um, you know coming along. Um, you know, but is, is, you know, if I'm somebody walking up 
today, I have nothing. Like I have no code. I have nothing. Maybe I, you know, maybe I'm a Java person or I'm a .NET or, you know, whatever. How, how do I, like, what is the, the thinking process here? Do I start with what language? Do I start with, do I pick a PaaS platform first? What, how do you recommend somebody approach that, that conversation to start with? So, so I think that there's, um, there's several aspects that I see customers uh, thinking about, right? So um, one thing that is um, very, uh, very big these days, and, and rightly so, is customers want to have control over um, what they're running and where they're running it. So um, the meaning of that is customers, you would probably come in and say, you know, everything has to be open sourced. Um, I have to be able to see uh, what components I'm, I'm running. I have to have great telemetry and I have to be able to run it uh, anywhere I want to run it mm-hmm. on my, um, on Azure, on AWS, on, on my own data center or under my desk for that matter. Um, so, so that's kind of one aspect that is uh, definitely, um, I personally think it's a great uh, um it's a great stage to be in, but it's definitely not what we've seen 10 years ago. Not, right? It's not typical, right? Because yeah. you're starting from scratch in that scenario. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so I want to make sure that I, I build on the stack that I kind of understand and, and, and is open. Um, and then based on, uh, uh, on that, I will look for uh, productivity based on my sort of uh, uh, goals, right? So the next question I will ask you would be, what are you building, right? Um, Today, you will probably be building a microservice-based application, which is a fancy name to say, I'll have uh, uh, different components that uh, um, are each encapsulated within a container. And um, at that point, you can think through um, the performance aspect of your applications, like how much uh, traffic are you expecting? What is the type of uh, computer you're going to do? Are you running? You know, machine learning models, you need to, you're going to need a lot of memory. Are you going to do a lot of database I.O.? So then uh, mostly your, your CPUs are going to sit idle. There's all these kind of, of considerations you, you should make. Um, but in the end of the day, I would say that most of most customers, um, again, personal opinion here, um, would uh, err on the side of, of productivity versus the control. Um, yeah, yeah. So typically what I would say to customers, especially folks who are uh, are Microsoft customers and are working with us is, you know, think about what you want to build. Can you build it with Power Apps? Great. If not, can you build it with Azure Functions? Also great. If not, can you build it with um, some one of our container solutions, Azure Container Apps uh, App Service? Awesome as well. The next stage would be, okay, I need more control over how I scale and, and all, all these intricacies, or I'm building, bring, bringing some open source set of components that I want to use, then I'll recommend AKS. And eventually, if you have very specific requirements, like you want to um, use uh, um, some Hyper-V thing that only your company uses or what have you, uh, I would go for a VM. Um, so that that's kind of the, the way I typically interrogate people that want to start from scratch because it's never from scratch, right? And then kind of similar along those lines, Mm -hmm. what if I decided to start with app service, for example, Mm -hmm. and then at one point I decided I needed more control. What is Mm -hmm. the usual process of, say, going 
down to a lower stack? So, so that's a, a fair question. Um, I think, I mean, I, I'll sign, um, I don't know how it's come, going to come out, but most people don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after running up service literally for 10 years, we had a 10 year anniversary two weeks ago on June 8th, awesome. um, 10 years since our, our initial release. So working with it for 12 years before. Um, most customers are basically are not saying, hey, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. What they're saying is, gee, we really want memory dumps. So, gee, we really want to have larger VMs. And what we do as a team is we just go and build it for them. <laughs> so um, in a lot of cases, what we, we essentially see, we see people um, kind of over, um, pushing against the envelope of control, uh, of, of, uh, of productivity and asking for more control. And uh, we try to essentially negotiate it with them uh, to an extent. Uh, having said all of that, um, all of our services, uh, including Azure Functions, by the way, um, are based on open source components or widely known components. Uh, so um, if you look at an app service thing and you have um, you know, an ASP.NET website uh, or what have you, you have the code, you own the code, and you can go then go run it on, on any environment that you want. Uh, with our Linux offering that are um, container-based under the hood and um, also allow you to bring your own container, um, you can take your container and, and put it anywhere else. Uh, in fact, I have this slide I go around with and, and I, I look at our services and all of them support containers as, as a deployment unit. App service, Azure Functions, even Azure Logic Apps now is available on top of Azure Functions uh, in a container. So um, we're giving customers the flexibility to go run them anywhere. And in fact, we do have customers that would uh, that run functions on-prem or on Kubernetes for specific use cases that, uh, due to compliance or data sovereignty, they cannot uh, do somewhere else. So I guess I didn't answer the question, but <laughs> it, it, I, I sort of laugh about the control question because I was actually thinking the same thing, um, and I was thinking what they what customers really want is to not pay anymore and get some piece of that control that they had back exactly. in the old world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the, um, I, when you were talking, when you were just talking about sort of the containerized aspects of this and the portability, um, as well as when you were talking about how somebody sort of makes a decision on where, you know, what the platform is, I noticed that you, I mean, you, you used a couple of examples, but I noticed none of that in there was, are you a Go customer? Are you a .NET customer? Are you a Java customer? Are you a whatever it, it, it is at the end of the day? And I think it comes from the container piece, but I think it predated containers yeah. as well. It's really you do whatever language you want, right? You, the 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 platforms you're talking about, it's generally you use whatever language you want, and that's really just an implementation detail. You don't have to pick a language to go use one of these. Correct. I think that's uh, one of the kind of pieces where uh, it's one of these tip of the icebergs thing that. Uh, um, you can go to app service and deploy a Java application or a node or, or a Python uh, or obviously a, a .NET and it just works. Uh, behind the, the, the scene, there's a huge team that uh, makes sure all of the latest releases of these uh, stacks are actually on, on the machines and that they're updated on time and all the security patches are applied. Um, so that's an enormous amount of work that we do for, mm -hmm. for our customers. Uh, so they don't have to worry about it. 
And, you know, that's part of my personal and everyone's excitement with containers is it made this problem a bit simpler to solve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you can bring your stack together with your code um, and not having to worry about the compatibility of your bits from your machine to whatever is in the cloud. Yeah, 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 because I, I know we've, I mean, not that there, you know, there are always problems with software, right, be it cloud or on-premises, but like I, I know over the years I've seen this, we have absolutely had, you know, problems in the past where somebody's using some really old, you know, version of some library or whatever, and for whatever reason, we didn't realize it, we didn't see it in our telemetry, we remove it for some security vulnerability, whatever, and it breaks them. And that's not the goal, right? The goal is that, you know, our platform should never break you under the cover. So the containers sort of insulates that problem, right? It's now built yeah. with their code. That's awesome. Okay, so great. So yeah, that's, so at the end of the day, I have tons of flexibility what I use in these in these various platforms. Sure. From a platform perspective of us providing these services, how do we provide something like scaled to zero? Like internally, how do we <laughs> kind of mix and match and Tetris all the different resources our customers are using? So, so uh, some of this is magic that we're not allowed to share, <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> the, the scale to zero is, is um, you know, a super interesting problem uh, because what, what it means, it means that we have a, an infrastructure that we maintain in a sort of warm state for you. Um, you don't pay for it while you're not using it, but we still have some uh, work that is needed to uh, uh, to be done in order to to uh, to maintain it. So um, what we try to do is to essentially share it between many customers. But to share it between many customers, we need to make sure that each customer gets a pristine, uh, safe, and secure environment. Um, so all of this put together means that uh, the cost to us as a cloud provider, and I'm talking about all of them, uh, to provide scale to zero is is slightly higher because we have to maintain all these things behind the scenes. We have to uh, clean these up, uh, clean up the infrastructure. We need to uh, schedule the, the, the different customers. So typically what you see is you see that these scale to zero um, uh, solutions like uh, uh, Azure Functions or ACI or uh, Azure Container Apps or uh, for that matter, AWS Lambda, um, they all cost a little bit more uh, if you uh, try to use them all the time. So if you take the price of uh, of uh, one second of Azure Functions and you multiply it by whatever, you know, 60, 24, uh, and so on, it's going to be much more expensive than a VM. Uh, but if you only need to run it for five minutes a month, you're going to, to save a lot of money. Um, so what we're seeing is we're seeing that customers actually want to have some of that uh, flexibility to sort of manage their costs. And that there's a certain point where the scale to zero is just not financially feasible. It actually costs more to have a scale to zero solution than to uh, use your own infrastructure. And um, unlike some other providers, we actually give you uh, give customers that flexibility by saying, hey, um, if you need to use a lot of functions, then you can have a dedicated plan uh, where you kind of rent the CPU full time. We still do all the management, all the all the scaling for you. Um, so that's kind of beyond the, um, I think, the nice answer without getting into proprietary technology uh, uh, solution. Um, what's exciting is that the technology is improving. So um, 
in the beginning, like 24, circa 2014, 2016, when uh, functions as a service came out, uh, the reason we asked people to write these functions was because we needed to really constrain them, if you will, uh, in order to provide the scale to zero and the scale out and so on. And as technology improves now with things like Kubernetes and ACI and, and, and AKS and so on, and Azure Container Apps that we recently GA'd, um, we're able to provide this scale to zero container experience where um, you, you, your container will be deprovisioned once you, it times out, if you will. Uh, in Azure Container App, we have the sort of next generation of that, which is idle pricing, uh, where we say there is a situation where your container is not quite, uh, it's like in the Princess Bride, it's mostly dead. <laughs> it's not uh, completely <laughs> dead. And um, if you pay a fraction of the price of it running, uh, we will keep it for you in a warmer state than, uh, than completely in, off the disk and needs to be reprovisioned. It, it, I, I love the point. The, that you made about if you were to run a serverless app, you know, 24/7, 365, it actually would end up being more expensive than I don't know whether it's more expensive than than functions or, or ISRs, but it's definitely more expensive than if you you know went to something more um, uh, more permanent. That that that's such a, a sort of a, a meta point that I do see customers miss sometimes, which is yes, on paper, if I just take exactly what I had on premises. And move it to Azure. Even if I'm just picking up my container and move it, if I do nothing around auto scale or serverless or you know um, you know deprovisioning when I don't need it, if I don't leverage all that stuff, I probably am going to pay more money at the end of the day. And so it, you know it it sounds like what you're what you're really pointing out is that just because I go past, there's all this other stuff I have to take advantage of as well, such as you know, the scaling, I, I, like I sort of want to pick the right variant of even a specific PaaS service, because uh, if I don't, I, I'm actually probably hurting myself, you know, from a from a cost perspective. Yeah, I think I think there's the visible costs and the sort of invisible costs, right? So um, there is the labor cost of maintaining infrastructure that the cloud provider mm -hmm. would do for you. Um, but the way I like to talk about it is uh, take, for example, app service, right? So um, imagine you wanted to build a, a scalable website by yourself. Okay, fine. Uh, you need to you need a, at least to have at least three instances uh, yep. to for failure, right? Um, you need a load balancer. The load balancer should ideally be other boxes, right? Uh, you need storage. The storage needs to be persistent. Um, mm -hmm. You probably need telemetry because you know, hey. Um, and you need a place to deploy. Telemetry, uh, <laughs> hey, right? I love that. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to fix your bugs. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, English is not my... <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not about the language. It's I just love this, you know, sort of, yeah, you probably want some telemetry because yeah. I have worked with a lot of people. There's like, oh, you mean I should look at the data that I generate? Like they just sort of yeah, miss that yeah. old piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so all of these pieces, if you if you were to run them uh, by yourself, then every minute of compute that you're actually uh, serving your customers uh, probably has four or five x yeah in um, front of it similar yeah. infrastructure, right? Yeah. And when you and when you use these platforms as a service services, we do it for you, right? So every scale unit for app service has a dedicated front end that you don't pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, we take a lot of pains to map uh, Azure storage into uh, mount, mounted disks 
And so you can have persistent storage and, and run like your WordPresses or some legacy stuff that is not stateless, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We have, uh, we have you know, integration with App Insights. We have, uh, we take the pains to install the right it's agents. It's just a button, get, right? You just sort of click a button yeah. and it gets turned on for it. Yeah. yeah. To, to te- and there's even telemetry that is sort of for free without App Insights that you can have. Um, and then we, we, we also make sure that you have the ability to deploy um, you can use uh, our Kudu technology that's been around since you know a long time, but we actually provide a build server together with with the uh, you know, with the hosting. Uh, so all of this stuff is is things you would have had to pay for otherwise. So it does get to be a nuanced conversation because you know um, customers are used to doing this thing; they don't necessarily see these these mm-hmm. residual costs, but. And at the end of the day, it's it's yeah. costing you uh, less money and less time. The other piece that I think is important, especially these days, is security, right? So um, when uh, I think when was it 2018 when there was this side channel attack on Intel processors? The yeah, the Spectre meltdown Spectre and, stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the big cloud provider got uh, providers got uh, uh, knew about it about four months before it became public we got an opportunity to patch all of the machines before the industry knew about it uh, if you run your own data center you're always uh, at risk uh, um, uh, with security and vulnerabilities and you don't have 200 people or even more that just do yeah. security for a living that the cloud yeah. provider can give you um, so i think that's another kind of a hidden um, cost of risk uh, mitigation yeah. for large enterprises uh, that people want to think about when they move to the cloud. Yep. And, yeah, and yes, there is this perception that cloud is expensive, but then you have yeah. to kind of say, okay, but, you know. Yeah, and I think your uh, your statement about uh, 200 people doing security, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember the exact numbers. I think I saw somewhere that we... Microsoft and I'm sure AWS and Google and, and Alibaba are similar, but are spending billions of dollars on security investments and and thousands and thousands of people that are you know focused on that. And and any one enterprise is never going to be able to sort of invest that level, data, right? Yeah, and it's not just uh, software security; it's also physical security in our data yeah. center. Yeah, nobody yeah. knows where they are. There's a very limited set of people that are allowed to. To go in the, I have uh, never been the, to one. Cages in, in and so on. Four, fourteen, fourteen years of doing Azure, I have never gotten to go to one. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they keep one for uh, for big customers that yeah. not really a live data center, and <laughs> all the rest of them are are sealed. Yeah. We only see those racks in like our technology <laughs> in those centers. Videos. This is what yeah. they look like. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that's a good thing, right? Yep. Yeah, you don't want me near a server. I'm liable to grab a cable by accident or something. <laughs> uh, Nir, curious if you could share with us what's the future direction we're going with our past services, given that now we have we have so many different options and there's, there's some overlap in what each of them mm-hmm. can do, but obviously they have areas where they're the best for. And how do you see this progressing as we go into the next... 10 years. So, so I think that the 10 year is, is a good uh, way to, to start, right? So 10 years ago, when we started doing Azure website, it became App Service was uh, we were trying to solve the problem of, hey, I have a bunch of Windows boxes, Windows servers running websites. 
and I need to optimize that. Um, since then, uh, a few things happened in the industry, and I'll just pick and choose some of them. Um, one is that, you know, if you haven't been living under the rock, rock uh, uh, we have this Kubernetes thing come out. So uh, this differentiated technology of being able to do a control plane and a scalable infrastructure um, is now democratized to Kubernetes. Um, so customers, and again, rightly so, are demanding that uh, we will provide them solutions that are built on these open source stacks. So that's kind of a one one big change. So if 10 years ago we were trying to solve um, how to manage a proprietary um, platform um, in order to save people time and money, today we have to do the same thing because our customer promise essentially hasn't changed. We want to make it easier and um, would I say more fun to build these applications. Um, but now customers are demanding to have them on these open source platforms where they, they understand all the pieces. The other fundamental uh, that has changed or, or added is we, we just have new application patterns. Right? So if, if again, 10 years ago, we had uh, websites, we had APIs, uh, we had batch jobs and whatever you, today we have microservices, we have Jamstack uh, web applications where um, essentially a serverless web application where you have the content is on is on the CDN somewhere and, and the code runs yeah. in, in a combination of the browser and, and serverless uh, function backends. Uh, so we also want to support our customers with these new patterns. Um, so if you look at kind of how we're progressing and, and the things we're doing, that's that's the direction we're going. We're, uh, we're you know, trying to, to make sure that we understand what our customer needs and uh, are and, and kind of lead in that direction. So um, today, given those uh, base premises, which is, uh, hey, I want to run with open source uh, stacks, you know, .NET Core, Java, uh, Python, what have you. I want to make sure that I'm on a, a Kubernetes-based infrastructure and I want to understand how you do your magic of scaling and so on. Um, if you see what we'll, we've been developing with uh, Azure container apps and our open source components like Kada, that is a scaler for Kubernetes and Dapper, which is um, a way to make sure these microservices can co communicate with each other and, and work with other systems. And we're trying to get to this paradigm where we will still provide you these pass value pops, scale to zero, maintenance, build environments and, and, and uh, updated stacks and, and security but we provide it uh, on a more transparent uh, platform. Uh, so again, what, what we're seeing, uh, and it's resonating very well with customers, is um, we, they can use Azure Container Apps, it scales to zero, but it still has uh, all of these open source components that are driving it. And you'll see us investing more and more in kind of that direction. To, to answer the question of what should I use when, which is always sort of the tough uh, uh, question is, um, if you take a look, there's this, uh, um, you know, there's this uh, CNCF website where they show you all the components that are available for a Kubernetes, right? So it's a it's a huge buffet of options. Some of them work well with each other. Some some don't. Uh, what we offer is we say, okay, we we kind of tailored and picked and, uh, and chose the right components that work really well together, and we're going to give you uh, that as an opinionated PaaS platform. Uh, so I think that for us, it's it's about building the, uh, a platform that customers 
the you know modern apps or cloud native or whatever you want to use and retaining this experience that makes our existing customers so happy that's kind of in a nutshell uh, the long answer to the short question no this this is great and this is a lot for um, our listeners and our users to think about too of which direction they're going with their application and how Azure's involvement kind of grows with that. I, I actually thought the piece that really resonated with me near that you said is we're, we, we have an opinionated sort of selection, but it's still, we're still contributing back to the open source world. So you don't, just cause you don't use our stuff doesn't mean you're not getting the benefit of what we're doing. And, and we're trying to create this, this sort of curated experience, but it's not a closed thing at the end of the day, yeah. right? It's, we are still working within this broader framework. And I think that's really what it's about in terms of driving the industry and helping our customers get forward, sort of just providing that best experience across the board. That's a, that's a great philosophy. It's thrilling to hear that you guys have that approach. Yeah. And I think that is a great way to end this episode. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See y'all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.